Hello there, and welcome to Pivotal Film. I am Tom Nolan. And I'm Mario Ponzio, and we're in the second episode of our little sojourn away from the list. Uh, last week we had our long Ant Kind conversation. I think we're actually recording this before we record the Ant Kind conversation. Which is actually fitting for Ant Kind. The magic of production. <laughs> and next week we will have the, that very fun conversation on Come and See and The Painted Bird. Um, this week, though, uh, we are just doing a couple reviews of new films that have hit the old streaming services. Um, well, one of them has. The other one. I guess technically. technically Although one of them, I think, was... First Cow's on a streaming service, but it's like a rental is or rent- a purchase. And, and Palm Springs is also, which is the other one we're going to do, is a kind of a different thing. Because I think it was just going to be on Hulu. Yeah, no, it was, it was purchased by... by you know, Hulu at Sundance yeah. for like $17.5 million. The highest like expense yeah. ever from Sundance by like 69 cents because we're, 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 yeah, yeah. we're Lonely Island. Yeah. And we're 40-year-old men who'd find that funny. <laughs> I hope they enjoyed their Palm Springs experience. <laughs> Maybe it would be funny if it turns out they actually needed 69 they just, cents. Yeah, they needed it. They're all meth heads. <laughs> and that was, getting them, that was getting them just that little extra rock. Yeah. Um, I, don't, I don't think you understand... The cost of, of methamphetamines, Tom. I really don't anymore because I thought they were they they fluctuate. You know what I mean? I I played drug wars. If you go to Queens, they go down by five dollars, but oh. then you go over the Manhattan and bam, it goes right up. Now, see, I learned a lot about methamphetamines in reading Ron Rash short stories. So in the Appalachians, meth costs different than it does here. I think. Oh, I also read Ron Rash. I remember about that, those short stories. Yeah. Those were good short stories. He's a good short story writer, yeah. That's a, that's a writer I forget about, though. Me it's too. Like you read about him, you're like, oh, all right. Yeah, because he's always... It's like William a- Gass. You read William Gass books, and you just forget about William Gass. <laughs> As evidence of our conversation last week, we don't forget about William Gass. Oh, uh, do we? Okay. <laughs> I was actually going to mention that, too. I mean, I did mention that, too, last week. <laughs> This is the most ant-kind. <laughs> this is actually, this conversation is more ant-kind than our ant-kind conversation. Rethink. It was or will possibly be. That's, this is perfect. Charlie yeah. Kaufman's having a good time with this now. Air high five. From six feet away, because we are still practicing our safe social distancing. Tom, how do you like the new Pivotal Film studio the table? The remodel, it's great. I enjoy it thoroughly. There's multiple table chairs everywhere. I feel like I'm really in control of everything that's happening around me now. Lawrence Kasdan's still in the midst of his two-week quarantine. Mm-hmm. Which he's been doing for four months. Yeah. But he's We're, having trouble figuring out how days work anymore, so... I mean, I'm sure he's written several of Star Wars saga films during this time. So. They may redo the whole new saga. They may redo the whole new trilogy. Yeah, they might they might do a non news a Dune Star Wars crossover. Oh, that'd be awesome. Where Timothy Chalamet plays all the parts. <laughs> Zendaya just pops up in the background. <laughs> she would just pop up in the background. She plays like the, an Ewok. It's, just, it's a very frustrated, snarky Ewok. She's just like, Ugh, I don't want to be here. <laughs> okay, so should we uh, jump into it? Let's jump. Let's jump through. Let's jump Let's... into the cave. Yeah, into the cave and, and go back in time and forward in time and all around time with our first film, Hulu's Palm Springs. Good day so far? Today, tomorrow, it's all the same. You, what is going on? Hey, get out of the water! Guess you followed me. It's one of those infinite time loop situations you might have heard about. That I might have heard about? Yeah. 
The second you fall asleep, it all just goes back to the start. I drove all the way back home to Austin, and I still woke up here. One time, I smoked a bunch of crystal and made it all the way to Equatorial Guinea. It was a huge waste of time. Well, then what's the point of living? We kind of have no choice but to live. No, I'm gonna get out of this. Suit yourself. See you tomorrow. Now what do we do? You just have to embrace the fact that nothing matters. Do you sleep with people in here? Great question. I have, but it takes a lot of work. May I cut in? It's the first dance. And that's a deal breaker? It is The Marriage of Talia and Abe, November 9th. And Niles, the ne'er-do-well boyfriend of Misty, is just going through the motions. Just going on through, wearing his Hawaiian shirt and shorts, but offering a pretty good little, uh, you know, wedding toast. And that catches the eye of Sarah, you know, the, the maid of honor, who herself is a little bit of an ne'er-do-well sister. Mm. And they, uh, they mac out and make out, and eventually Niles is shot by an arrow by J.K. Simmons. Because that's what J.K. Simmons is want to do. Which is, in the beard, I, uh... I actually kept hoping it was going to be Nick Offerman, but it wasn't. <laughs> if only. Yeah, I know. Just replacing each other. Maybe they just they like play the same character. Maybe. A real B1, B2 situation. Maybe maybe uh, J.K. Simmons up. couldn't do the desert parts, so Nick Offerman did the desert parts. Nick Offerman did the arrow shooting, and J.K. Simmons did everything else. Except the woodworking. And the woodworking, yeah. Uh, so Niles runs off into a cave that's shining in light to... Get away from Roy, and Sarah follows him in concern. And Dial says, "No, get back! Don't do it! Get away from here!" But she follows him anyway, and she's sucked back to November 9th because this is a Groundhog's Day, Christmas every day, source code, the edge of tomorrow. What's that naked movie? I think it's just called Naked that Marlon Wayans won. It's one of those movies. It's a time loop movie. But it transgresses all those things, Mario, based on all the reviews. It does all the things different. Because it's three people in a time loop now, not just one person in a time loop. Except Edge of Tomorrow already had two people in a time loop. They were just happening at different times. So, like, maybe it's not that This one might have a possible June squib in a time loop. (laughs) Hard to tell, so that's, you know, it's a bonus. Uh, we learn that Niles is pretty nihilistic. He's been in this for however long. We do not know. It's supposed to be an enamorate amount of time, as it as always want to do. Uh, Harold Ramis had once said in the early draft of Groundhog Day, he was in there for 10,000 years. So maybe he's been in there for 10,000 years. Who knows? Mm-hmm. He remembers a dog, so maybe not 10,000 years. I think I'd forget about a dog if I was in something for 10,000 years. Let's say about, yeah, like, yeah. I don't know, 13 days. Yeah. He's probably in that loop for about 13 days. And he's already given up on everything. Who is? Niles. Oh. He's been in there for 13 days. He's probably been in there for a while. No, I he's was... been there for a while. It was a, it was a bad joke. Oh, okay. I, I attempted to do a joke, Tom. Sorry. Um, but Sarah's now stuck in the sloop. She's frustrated. Eventually, Niles and Sarah get closer and closer. They, they, they have sex. Uh, it becomes a romantic comedy thing. There, there's, there's hate and anger because Roy got sucked into the time loop when Niles was high on bath salts or cocaine or something it looked mm. like bath salts because it was blue who knows who yeah. fucking cares um they work out all those kinks sarah finds out that they're stuck in an energy time loop they get out of it they live happily ever after and then roy is also going to get out of it too the end also sarah was banging banging a before and that's why she's not happy about being in that time loop mm-hmm. the the 
soon-to-be spouse of Tala. Um, the short summary review, we're doing this live now, that's fun. Uh, I found it to be entertaining. It is a fun waste of one hour and 26 minutes. I did not find anything at all offensive. Um, I don't think there's really a significant amount of chemistry between Andy Samberg or Kristen Mulatto at all. Uh, I don't particularly think Andy Samberg was good enough to carry kind of the pathos that that character is supposed to have. Kristen Mulatto, I'm very biased towards it, but I enjoy her quite a bit in this. She actually carries all the kind of anger and frustration and I fucking give up that um, Andy Samberg can't do. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to be another movie that she does or a project that she does where she doesn't break out because that just keeps happening to her. Mm-hmm. J.K. Simmons is fun. I'd like to see June Squibb. I was like, oh, June Squibb, you're here. Nebraska yeah. is great. Um, I don't know why she's in this movie. Ultimately, but... it was it was fine. It, I mean, it, it's, it gets the fine of I watched it. I enjoyed it. I will forget it. If I was a Ron Tomatoes critic, it would get a it would get like that fresh tomato, but it'd be one of those three out of five fresh tomatoes. Yeah, that's a tough one. And I, we could, I mean, the Ron Tomatoes thing I think is an interesting component of this too, or at least in terms of my feelings about it. I also kind of agreed it. Like I didn't hate it. Um, I did start playing Legend of Zelda: Breath of the Wild on my Switch at like an hour and ten because I just really stopped giving a shit what was going to happen. I just assumed they were going to get out of this somehow or it wasn't a dark enough movie that they would allow them to stay in it and then as soon as jk simmons was just like well i love my kids so i'm happy and i was just like okay and even though you know he he shot him in the chest afterward he's like oh kill me for one kill me one last time for for good luck um that's that's fine you're right andy samberg trying to uh you know act seriously is is kind of a a process of diminishing returns uh but Kristen miliotti is uh, it's just a, a charisma explosion every time she's on screen, which is why this movie left her off the screen for like a half hour. Yeah, this movie is, it, I think I would have really loved this film if we didn't just go like, oh, she's gone, now we're going to follow Andy Samberg. Because when that happened, I'm like, I don't want to follow Niles. He's incredibly uninteresting. Well, here's my- I mean, he's an uninteresting character, Yeah, and he's un- portrayed by an actor who's not... Like leveling up the disinterest well, of like, said character. Like all these reviews keep talking about, like you know him being like a picture of of modern nihilism. I was like, he doesn't. He's fine. I was like, nihilism is looks different than like yeah, I just drink high life and and everything's good. I you mean, know, I we're, guess we're okay. I know? guess he represents the angel in the night type of nihilism, you know. But that's not necessarily what people think of when they see nihilism. He's just. He seems pretty content, and by the end of the movie, he's also, like, he, I, I suppose, you know, he doesn't remember how long he's been there because he doesn't, or he doesn't remember what his job used to be, even though I thought the idea was that, like, he did remember what his job was, but he just kind of didn't want to, he didn't want to talk about it, like, because he, you know, they're having that conversation on the rocks, and, um, you know, he doesn't want, or they're having that conversation where they're camping out, and he doesn't want to talk about some of the things that she's talked about. And now, does he not want to talk about it because he doesn't remember? Like, why would he be kind of, like, ashamed? So he's not carrying any of these emotions well. So I, I don't really know what I'm supposed to feel when I'm looking at him do anything. Like, is he sad? Is he happy? So when he has a speech at the end, when he's like, oh, I want you to stay here with me, I'm just like, oh, that confirms everything I was thinking, which is he doesn't want to leave. He's happy to just drink his case of high life in cans. All day and was that high life? Yeah. Oh, I thought it was something else. I thought it was like some Mexican. No, I thought I thought it had the the like the swoop. Maybe the the, maybe it was like high life, but it wasn't actually high life. Um, 
But I think I just think this movie, because it's not a movie. Oh, so the thing I was going to talk about, and to this end, you know, it only has two sets. So one of my problems with this movie is that like they either are at the hotel or they're in the mountains, which could be anywhere, or they're at that weird roadside bar mm-hmm. all the time. Just I mean, they all talk like he drove from Ir- like Roy drives from Irvine to like the wedding reception like a few times every millennia or whatever it is. They could get pretty far. They get wherever they want to. They well, don't have talks, to keep stopping at this dumbass roadside bar all the time. He talks about being up for several days and getting to like Equatorial Guinea, right? Like when he's on methamphetamine. So he could get places. It, it's just kind of it's a it's a cute little movie that found its home, a perfect home on a streaming service. Absolutely. You know um, what I mean? I mean, I think it would have made money in theaters because I think like this crowd would have been into it. It wouldn't have made its money back. Hulu would it was have $5 million. Hulu yeah. would have not lost money if it went into theaters. But it's a perfect TV movie. I could see them expanding this into eight episodes for a Hulu TV show very easily. Yeah, and I, I just just to to credit, I think I think the bummer part of it is he doesn't have a caring narrative. Niles doesn't have a caring narrative to carry out the feature. Mm-hmm. His like love of Sarah is pretty right and it's it's so unbuilt and developed whereas kind of like sarah's mess of a life and then ultimately like that reveal of her having slept with abe is much more of an interesting problem and it's resolved with just like incredible ease and that was just a real bummer like she becomes sarah becomes a vehicle to get them out Mm -hmm. and like niles remains the focus and niles is not interesting and and the story starts with Sarah. So, like, from a narrative standpoint, she should be your focus. Like, it doesn't make any sort of constructive script sense. And I think this is the, the failing of the film is just, like, from an overall narrative sense, it has a, a significant feeling in that he should be kind of like that Virgil sort of carrying along. And maybe he has his own problems and whatnot. He does love her. But he's kind of that voice that's been there forever. Mm-hmm. Um, and... She is the one we're meant to follow, but mm-hmm. then we don't. We just drop her, and and that's that's that that was a real disappointment for me. That that's what made this film go from something I was really enjoying, really into, actually putting it like in that echelon. Because I, you know, I'm, I'm a real fan of this genre. There's like we've talked about two of these movies, types of movies mm-hmm. in this podcast in varying ways, um, but it really dropped down when you know we we shifted and focused on Niles, who by the construct of the story is not your main character. Well, I just didn't... He didn't seem super interested in whether or not he got out, so I'm not sure why they would think that the viewer would all be interested whether or not he got out. It, so, like, yeah, it was weird when she disappeared. It'd be nice if one of these things has the, not, has the person not escape it. One of these days. One of these days when these movies will have them not escape it. Well, I think the... I, 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 I suppose that would be good. My bigger question is always whenever I watch one of these movies that you have to suspend a lot of you have to spend a lot of belief systems about reality and when you when you watch something like this. So like who else is in is everyone else moved out of the time loop after all this happened? Um, like well, how does the yeah. time loop work necessarily? So I think it's weird. Well, there's there's some huge inconsistencies with their own science in it. For like the goat disappearing instead of the goat just not remembering or whatever. Whereas later, like, that Niles character just is there, but doesn't remember having seen Roy. Right. Um, 
But in movies like this, I'm just like, whatever. Right? There's, there's never going to be a consistency to this science. Like, Groundhog Day kind of set the establish of, like, he's stuck in a loop. Why? It doesn't fucking matter. So, but that's what I was going to say, is that, like, when, when emotions are involved, you don't worry about the science because you just want things to be good for Phil. So I think one of the things that people are kind of championing in this movie is that, like, we see Niles already, like, moved past all the feelings he could feel. But the feelings are the interesting part. Mm. The, the no feelings and then her having feelings and then her disappearing for a half of a movie while she Zoom, while she Skypes with professors and reads books in a, in a roadhouse bar is not interesting. Do you think the audio cuts out for them for like 20 seconds while she's doing that? Maybe. I'd hope so. And they're just waving at each other and she's like, Ugh. Just tapping. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. To finish this off, I'm going to blow your mind. Did you know they made a VR video game sequel to Groundhog Day? No. Is it new? It was like last year. Oh. And it's like an R-rated, like M-rated game. Like they like say fuck repeatedly. Oh. It's very confusing. That's weird. And Phil is dead in it. It's his son. Oh, he's in a time loop now? His son's in a time loop, yeah. With, he had a uh, kid with Andy McDowell? No. Andy McDowell's character is in it. I mean, she's not don't think it's Andy McDowell. I think they could have got is it. Is it real? McDowell. Or is it just like a, is it an independent thing? Or like, did, I mean, I don't know how the video game stuff works. I don't know. If it's an, I, I assume they had to get permission from the studio. Yeah, that's weird. I watched, I watched it get played and I was like, this looks like a game that is terrible. Did you stuff a whole pancake in your mouth in it? No, but you do make pancakes in it. Huh. I don't get it. Because it's a VR game, so they gotta make pancakes at some point. That's how VR games work. You gotta do normal... Everyday things. Would you just go make a pancake? Exactly. You know what's great with pancakes, Tom? Milk. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't mention, oh, good segue, Mario. <laughs> I was trying nothing. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, our second movie is a movie that we talked about earlier in the year. It was on my list of movies I was most looking forward to. Uh, it came out right as the world fell apart. And then it sounded like, and we've talked about this a lot on the show... That A24 was just going to keep it, and they were just going to hold on to it until Green everything it. straightened out, and they were gonna, and then they would release it. Saint and, modding it. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what they're doing. I don't know what anybody's fucking doing anymore. Um, they released a Green Knight tabletop game. Oh, really? Yeah, like a role-playing game. In, like, anticipation of the thing? Yeah. I think they're going to drop that soon. I think it's just going to be, like, soon. I, well, we could talk about this off-air. Um, I have some intel on movie theaters. And they are not uh, optimistic. Is even like too optimistic a word for what they are not. Um, well, I've, heard, I've heard mid twenty twenty one is like what Disney's saying. Like they're expecting anything to come back. Well, they are. They are thinking uh, that this movie theater company is thinking that in another two months they will not be a company anymore. Like hard, like real things. Like this is the end. Huh. Um, so they're kind of waiting for someone to buy them and to just like sit on them and just do whatever and like <laughs> but they are they are not like they're preparing but they're not really preparing what they were have what they would have been preparing for if things were not the fucking worst is for this wonderful little movie directed by Kelly Reichert uh first cow my mother died when i was born and then my father died I never stop moving. It's the getting started that's the puzzle. No way for a poor man to start. You have a cow. 
first cow in the territory. It's ain't a place for cows. Well, it's no place for white men either. I sense opportunity here. Good Lord, give me another. I'll give you six ingots for that last one. I taste London in this game. We have to take what we can when the taking is good. That seems dangerous. So is anything worth doing? A royal cow. Until she barely produces a thing. Some people can't imagine being stolen from. Let's hope he's one of those. We got a window here, Cookie. History isn't here yet. It's coming, but maybe this time we can take it on our own terms. So like we said, they were holding on to this movie in the anticipation that they were going to release it wide, but then uh, they obviously the, the writing was on the wall at some point, and so they put it on, on VOD um, on July 10th. Uh, so we're just you know kind of getting around to see it. Um, it is 1821. They are in the Pacific. This movie's in the Pacific Northwest. Um, I don't even know if... Should I spoil it by talking about the beginning? The, the spoil is kind of right in the beginning. It was interesting. You were right. It was an interesting use of her. But yeah. I actually think it really worked. And I suppose we'll talk about it as we get there. Um, a, a woman and her dog, stumble, they're out in its, its modern day. And they're, they're out in the woods. And then dog stumbles Tom's on. Tom's favorite, Alia Salcat. Yeah. Um, and we can talk about what they're doing and what it means. And they're out in the woods. And they stumble upon two skeletons laying side by side. Uh, and then it cuts backwards um you know 100 years or 200 years uh to 1821 and uh we are you know in the presence of some fur trappers and the, but our focus is this guy named uh cookie cookie figowitz and he is the cook for this band of, of of beaver trappers um and one night he stumbles upon uh king lou played by orion lee um who is naked and who has just killed a russian um, and he, you know, takes him in, he gives him some food, he gives him a blanket, he lets him sleep in his tent, he smuggles him under their cart as they move to their next stop on the way to their fort. Um, they end up meeting up later, and they start this little, little business where they've heard that the, you know, the, you know, I don't even. He's not like a person. The head of the fort. The head actually. of the, yeah, but he's just you know a guy. Um, he's like the wealthy person that basically chief owns the fa- fort. Chief factor, whatever the fuck that means. Um, played by an amazing Toby Jones. He's. I mean, we're going to talk about this in a little bit. Well, did you did you like? I, I texted you about that. I was yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I'm going to spend a lot of this extolling Toby Jones. But one of the great things about this movie, and, and I love this movie, is like. You know, they keep talking about they don't keep talking about, but like chief factor is like a person that you hear about. And then, like, they tell you Chief Factor's coming. And then, like, the way that the camera moves, and it kind of moves away, and then all of a sudden, like, Toby Jones is there, and you're just like, oh, Toby Jones. Like, it's kind of that visceral, like, yeah. And I was like, that's never happened to Toby Jones in his life. And it, it's a, and not until he makes this tiny, tiny, tiny movie that the you missed. Ha- I got excited when I saw Toby Jones. But not in, like, the same way. That's, that's right. Not in a kind of, like, yeah, here he is. And he didn't, like, disappoint. He was amazing. He had amazing conversations about oily buns. I also like his character name of Chief Factor. Yeah. Since he talks so much about, like, calculating and then counting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
So he gets a cow, and it's the first cow in the area. And the cow has come up from San Francisco, and it, there was a calf, and there was a there was a, a a father cow also, but they didn't make it. So it's just this one female cow, and he, t- you know, he's he's gonna get milk from it. Um, but then, uh, Cookie has this. He's you know, talking about. I would, I would love to make a. I'm sick of wheat and uh, or flour and, and water. Like soda bread, soda bread. I want to, I want to make some real bread, and they get to talking about what they would need to make the bread. And so they go to, they they go to steal the milk in the night. He milks the cow. He develops this relationship with this cow, which is just great. Um, and they start selling these little, these little honeyed buns. They cook them in oil right there, and they and they people wait in line and they pay all this money. And there's even some animosity that gets built about like who gets the bun and who doesn't get a bun, as which comes into play later. Um, and all's going great until Chief Factor comes and gets the bun. He tastes some London in these buns. And, and then he orders, uh, uh, what, what is it, uh, a calf, uh, uh, what's that thing that he orders, that cake that he, he asks oh, him to make? I can't remember what it's called, uh, the blueberry clef, cake. Clafouti? Clef, yeah. Clafouti? Something of that. So, because he's, he's got a sergeant coming there, and he's uh, our captain coming, and he wants to impress him. He's like, oh, he thinks this is the backwoods, I'm going to make him this thing. He makes him this thing. He go. He, they bring it. Um, Chief Factor takes the captain and 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 uh, King Lou and, and and Cookie out to to meet the cow because like, oh you have a cow let's go look at this cow, but then Chief Factor tells him that the cow is not really producing very much milk you know presumably because uh, Cookie and King Lou are taking it um, every night. Um, when the cow has developed this relationship with Cookie and he's nuzzling him, they get found out. Uh, they escape to the woods. Um, and the woods is where they stay forever, uh, through one means or another, which, you know, we'll talk about if we, if we get to it or we don't get to it. Um, this movie is a little jewel. Um, I love the fucking shit out of it. Um, I think I kind of understood what your text meant, um, in terms of I could have, it's two hours, which is weird because like nothing we've watched recently is like two hours. All this streaming stuff seems to be like a hard hour and a half and then out um except for to five bloods but that's a netflix movie so no one's king of staten island hey, oh, yeah so maybe i don't know what i'm talking <laughs> about um some of this other stuff then some of this lighter fare things that mm. you know um but i suppose i could have done another i could have done maybe another 12 minutes yeah of some no, nature stuff and they kind of teased that in the very beginning with like the you know um with how that barge kind of rolls through the water and then alia shawcott just kind of is looking at the at the trees like that's where it it kind of that's where it kind of cuts there's like this openness when she looks around and she's digging and then the movie weirdly kind of moves a little heavy through its like quickly through its plot points while like which you can't say that it has like traditional plot points because the plot points are just like making a roll you know what I mean? Or just like sitting on and washing clothes and things like that and having like a little discussion on like what you want out of life. Um, but I thought it was I thought it was great. I mean, I Kelly Reichert just keeps weirdly getting better and and better as she kind of and I think as we can talk about this too, I think she's kind of honing in on like the thing that she wants to do. Um, like certain uh, you know, the last few movies Meek's cut off and certain women in this one um, have like a very specific kind of, of theme. Um, and I think it's perfect for her. I think she was kind of working up to this, like for, like the through the beginning of her career. So, 
Yeah, no, everything works in just a fantastic harmony. And I guess when I say I wanted to spend a little more time in it, like I just like I wanted to see more of it breathe is, is maybe things get get rushed a little more quickly than I'd like, especially for how naturalistic of a relationship yeah, yeah. you see between King Lou and Cookie. Like you, I just want to spend a little more time there, mm-hmm. um, which is not necessarily a failing of the film. It, it's just no, something no, no. I want to see. It's it's not it's not a criticism, um, but every single component part of this works together, and there's such tremendous harmony. Um, that William Tyler score has, it sounds like like old lamb chop um, yeah, yeah. used to work with and like you know that that's great it's it's got just such gorgeous cinematography it's filmed in that that tighter aspect ratio um, which we could I mean I want to talk about that so but mm-hmm. I'll wait till you're done and you know every single performance in this carries what they're supposed to do and Toby Jones just plays like one of the better villains I've seen actually since probably like Daniel Kalula in Widows mm. and um, Brian Terry Henry in Widows. Um, in the fact that like there's this matter of a factness to, to his just like disinterest in the people around him. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the way in which that story, that, that, that Raymond and Reichert story, um, and they've worked together repeatedly before. Like she's, she's adapted several of his books yeah. and they've done the screenplays together. Um, the way that that kind of unveils the type of character factor is going to be is so well done without mm-hmm. being heavy handed that it just is, is brilliant. And, um, you know, ev- everything about this just moves at this, this real slow pace, like this real quaint, quiet pace, but it, it is endearing. It is, brings you close to it. You want to stay there no matter how, little seems to be going on it, it it is something you want to breathe in well it's weird you just said a bunch of really like interesting things and uh, like without even and they kind of jog things in my memory there's a without even knowing it you dumb fuck well no because they were interesting <laughs> to me and so one of the things i think is interesting is that it imbues she imbues like every action here with a, a weird spirituality and she does that without ever really being spiritual lou just has this one they have this one very brief conversation that even like smacks of any kind of spirituality, but then they move on from it. They're just like it's just a con- normal conversation. They're everyday thing. They're just kind of learning about each other. It's not like a theme necessarily, but like so when he's when you see him mixing that clafoot cl- uh, uh, clafooty or whatever it is. I don't know why we can't the blueberry cake. The blueberry cake. Like he's sitting there with his straw whisk and he's just like whisking it and then he puts it in the, like he dumps it all in and then he puts the handful of berries in and he like sticks in the oven. It has this real like reference to it and I don't think he's like approaching it necessarily like he's not thinking I'm doing this reverentially. I think he's he plays it. Um, John Magaro plays it like it just it still means something. It touches his past somehow. It's like a remembered thing that almost doesn't exist anymore. And like he's like he's like the key to like opening this thing up for people, but it's not like in a douchebag way. It's like in a it's in like a really organic organic way. Absolutely. It's it's shown earlier when, you know, Chief Factor asks for the the biscuit. Um mm-hmm. and it's not done because it's Chief Factor. He's just doing it cuz it, it's kind of what he does and he like slightly rolls the honey glazes with the honey and then the cinnamon oh, a little cinnamon and is good everything about this film is like just i hate to use the word delicious but like even beyond the food everything about this is just like you want to consume it it has this real quality that is it it, it, it is just something you want to breathe in well and it was to that point with a mask right on. after everyone right after 
I watched the movie um, at, like in the in the afternoon, which is like something I, ne- I haven't been able to do in a long time because it was you know I texted you because it was like suitable for the kids if they wanted to watch it. You know, nothing bad happens in it. Um, yeah, it's a it's a PG. PG thirteen, I think. PG thirteen. I think just because of the skeletons. And maybe some there maybe there's like a little language and then maybe the knives there's like a couple of knives. Um, that is shocking for brief strong language and I don't I don't remember what that would even be but um, yeah. So then I got up and I went to make dinner and I was making uh, black bean burgers which I used to use this kind of I like developed this like really simple recipe and so I was like making these black bean burgers and I had no. Usually, like, I'll have a podcast sound, but, like, I'm at a podcast this week, and I started listening to that Jim Carrey WTF podcast, and I, at some point, I just, I couldn't do it anymore. Like, this new version of Jim Carrey, like, I'm really happy he's happy, but it's just boring as fuck, and it's just the worst. <laughs> um, sorry, Jim Carrey. I mean, I love you. We've, you're on my list a bunch of times, but I just can't do it anymore. Um, and we're happy you're happy. Yeah, I'm happy you're happy. It, you're just boring. You just don't make and an interesting I, I don't want to listen topic. to you while I'm making dinner. So I had no sound on. There's no sound in the house. All the windows were open. And I'm just like mixing these ingredients together. And it was like, I just kept thinking about the movie. Like I kept feeling like it was what I was doing held some kind of extra meaning because of the thing that I just watched. And I, there was like a... Not that there's like a dis. I don't really ever think about making dinner that much when I'm making it. Like I think about leading up to making it. I hate thinking about what to make for dinner. But while I'm making it, I just kind of like go about. But I was like really. I felt like I was inside the process more than mm-hmm. I was, and it was like all because of this movie. And I think I don't know what that is about. Is it like aesthetically? I'm not sure how that how that worked. I think this is where the aspect ratio comes in. Is that you always feel really hemmed in. I thought the aspect ratio was going to be like a. Fairly typical, like, modern day is this aspect ratio, and then as soon as it got, like, they jumped to the past, it was going to widen. But it didn't. It kept just, you really just, like, closed in, and it felt so intimate that, like, the whole movie feels, like, weirdly intimate. And you're always in a house looking out of a house, or you're always behind a bush looking out at something. Like, she does a lot. Um, who's a who's the cinematographer? Chris um, Blau, Blauvelt? Yeah, yeah. Um, they do all this. They do a lot of behind things in this, or from, you know, um, when when Lou's in the tree, when when you know he's keeping a lookout, and I think a different movie doesn't really worry about him, and they don't, they wouldn't worry about showing a lot of point of view for him. But it's interesting to see like what the they're interested in what the world looks like from that position. They're interested in what the world looks like like from all these different um, positions. And the movie, I think, to its credit, the movie really knows what it is. So it doesn't ever try to do any kind of really magisterial tracking shot. Or she's not trying to, like, you know, put a kind of, uh... She's not trying to exploit the nature for any more than, like, it is. Which is a thing that has mushrooms and is, you know, wet sometimes and is has dirt. And, you know, it's not... Like, she's not, she's not putting on airs. No, exactly. I mean, she did the same thing with Meek's cutoff. The, the four-three oh, aspect yeah. ratio is the same, um, and you know that that's, that that gives you a real intimacy to, to these characters. It, it puts you close to that, so that you know, typically a western or things in this scenario would want to show you those expansive vistas, um, whereas this just wants you to see what the characters are doing. Just wants you to get in close to like he's making this gorgeous you know piece of food, but his hands are still grimy and wrapped in just old cloth and. You know, you get to see the intimacy between Kung Lao and Cookie. Um, 
you know, King Lao, not Kung Lao. Jesus. King Lu. <laughs> King Lu. Is Kung Lao from Mortal Kombat? Yeah. <laughs> oh my nice. God. Um, you, but you get to see the real intimacy of those things, of, of, of their relationship by just being that tight that you're not distracted. Because it's still like a gorgeous looking film from a yeah. set design standpoint. And it opens but, up a couple of times, but it's on yeah. purpose. Yeah, exactly. Um, but getting that tightness makes it about the actors. You get to see, like, I think that aspect, wider aspect ratio, you know, you'd lose kind of Toby Jones's face as he's kind of, like, confused about why you would withhold punishment. Like, he has this, like, he goes through these um, range of emotions, just mm-hmm. like, like, why? And, like, when he mentions, you know, like, losing the life of one person to get the labor of a bunch of, you know, that's just a great line. And having it that close, especially with the, the fact that set is, is gorgeous. It's, like, a nice colored blue room mm-hmm. with a lot of depth. But keeping it in tight like that, you know, frames him well, but also keeps him in the focus. And that's what the, the thing is important about this is there is, you know, I think that's what, what is actually kind of makes us breathe well is beyond, like, a rhythmic sort of coherence. There's a real love and respect for the world around. Yes. Um, in terms of the set design, in terms of the cinematography, but front and center is always going to be these performers, and front and center is always going to be the story they're sharing, and that gives yeah. you this more of a reverence for the story being told in the fact that everything around them isn't just like you know Dogville forgot Mandalay forgottenness, <laughs> but um, but it is it is literally there and and you want to see more of it but you don't because you're focused in on the characters and that is also equally as profound well i think that's and that's kind of what I, that speaks to exactly what i was saying like in my introduction to the thing where i think kelly record has kind of found her um uh, her metier in presenting these uh stories of uh the kind of uh, uh an american construction not necessarily like you know Construction, all construction. I mean, those are construction sounds, guys. I'm doing construction hand motions here. It also looks like shaking maracas. But how these specific people, who are nobody in the grand scheme of the people that kind of developed like the nation, and Meeks cut off certain women in this, um, and Meeks, uh, certain women is kind of from a different, a different perspective. Like it's the idea that like uh, the modern woman is still kind of trying to find their footing. They're trying to still break through this kind of stupid dumbass piece of shit shield that the patriarchy has put up for so long like preventing them from living the life they want or anything like that but it's a different conversation but it's the, these movies are now like so weirdly American and, and mm, they but they speak to like a very they speak to a better version of, of what it means to be an American than I think that we that we consider like King Lou has nothing remember those? yeah TIE Fighters um King Lou has nothing. He, you know, his he's you know moved around a lot. He is, I'm sure, been exploited, and you know we don't we don't hear a lot about that. Like you know his a ton about his past and and what he's been through. He has a chance to run away with, you know, all the money that him and 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 Cookie have have raised selling their 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 buns. Um, and he doesn't. He's like sticks by his friend he said i'll i'll get you there i'll you know i'll stay when he falls asleep next to him that's just i think as american an idea the idea that we're kind of in this together it's almost i was surprised that there was a william blake quote uh, epigraph in the beginning and not like a um like a thoreau quote or an emerson quote because there's something very transcendentalist about 
this movie. Mm-hmm. And this would be about, this would be roughly I mean it's the other side of the country, but this is when you know right about when the market revolution starts to like eat away at the soul of, <laughs> of America, and the transcendentalists are kind of like fighting back against that by just thinking about it. Um, but I think it's it, I think that is a beautiful sentiment that like this country was made by like a bunch of people who didn't belong to anybody like sticking together and trying to make something. And, you know, and he, like he says, you know, you got to get it. You got to take what you can because at some point they're going to, you know, there, no one's going to ever give us anything. Um, so when you can take something, you have to, you have to take it and try to make something out of yourself. Um, and there's the thing, they weren't planning on to just steal things forever. They weren't going to be bank robbers. They weren't transitioning from stealing cow's milk to stealing, like, a cow. Um, person milk. Person milk. <laughs> that would have been an interesting twist. <laughs> That's the sequel. Um, Speak, so, really quickly, though. Yeah. Um, the one thing I don't get is, is that choice. I mean, beyond the fact that, like, it shows that they were together throughout, whether or not they, you know, they died... Sometimes soon afterwards, or well, I think that kid after. shot him. Um, yeah, we're, we're to assume that. But what is the like? Is do we, is there beyond? Is it just to show that you think the the modern day opening is to just show that they stayed together? I think so. So I I was see the thing that the thing that that set me off with that was, I was like why Ali a shot cat then? I think there's a Wendy and Lucy component to the beginning. Okay, because it's just a girl and her dog. And they're out in the woods and they're looking for something. And I don't know if she's like foraging necessarily or if they're just out playing or, you know, just taking a walk or taking a hike or whatever. But the idea that there's this, there's a Michelle Williams aged ish. I don't know how old Ali Shawcott is. Um, I'm sure she's way younger. I'm sure she's younger than Michelle Williams. So Michelle Williams is like 37, 38 when she did Wendy and Lucy and both mid 30s ish. So approaching mid 30s. It's just, I think there's that, which is a movie about, like, what we owe each other as, like, people. And I think it's, like, something that Kelly Records kind of, like, played with literally her entire career. The mm-hmm. idea of, like, there's just one person over here, and there's one person over here, and it's way easier to kind of just tell the other person to just go fuck themselves. Um, but it's, it, it's, and her characters never do. Like, and even though Wendy and Lucy doesn't end up, like, like everyone has, like, way more opportunities to help Wendy than they take. Um, they still help her to a certain, they help her to a certain extent, you know what I mean? I mean, that's not always true of Kelly Record films. No, it's definitely I mean, not always. Well, Night Moves is, is but definitely. They, well, and Night Moves seems like a weird kind of aberration in this. I really like Night Moves. I, I like Night I'm, Moves, too. I but I'm one of the few people that do. No, I like it, too, because I just like her movies. But in terms of, like, all the stuff that she's been creating from, like, old Joy, Wendy, and Lucy... Um, you know, Meek's cut off and, and, and certain women in this. Um, I don't think I'm leaving something out. There's the, the older movie. Um, but I think Night Moves is kind of the weird one because it's really heavily plotted and, you know, has a is about something. And these other ones are just, you know, slices of life things. Um, mm-hmm. Old Ode, Ode was the one you were thinking of, but that's kind of a really minor film. I didn't hear that one. Yeah, I don't even know where that one. But yeah, um, but they're just oh sorry River of Grass River, River also, of Grass is like the first yeah, one yeah, yeah. Um, but Ode was also one of them which I it was weird I've no I don't know that is it. doesn't even have a Wikipedia article so it's barely a movie come on Wikipedia it's been hard I know someone's gotta get on that someone's gotta write it you should write it Mario I have to find the movie right? 
Um, but it was yeah, they're, it's they're just so small, and I I love how like tiny this one feels, and it, I love how it feels like um, she just found some woods, mm, yeah. and just like told them to just be in the woods, um, but it still feels perfectly authentic, somehow. I don't know. And Toby Jones is a scary motherfucker in this. But he's he all, is. He's scary. He I don't is, know. There's, there's like a certain he, like scariness to him. There's a hey. there's a heaviness to Toby yeah. Jones in this movie, which is not something that I really like expected. Um, but when just as soon as you see him and he's making this, it's like yeah, heavy Toby Jones. He's bringing it. But that's the thing about this movie. No one has to bring it. Mm-mm. No one's. She's like I suppose everyone likes to make movies with her because she must ask them to bring it subliminally and they just do but the nature of the movie says like you know i think what it it is is the fact that she's always bringing it like she she's there's there's there is a real focus and a real attention and you probably feed off that energy right and i i think people use the word genius way too much but they weirdly don't use it with her like she's like one of our she's too low-key man She's just, like, it's too... Which sucks. It's too, it's not low-key in the sense of, like, she's just... It's so... Come, it feels like it's come so naturally that mm-hmm. you don't notice it. But, I mean, uh, there's a lot of... I keep wanting... When I watch these movies, I keep wanting... I think about, like, an American Claire Denis in a lot of ways, where it's just so... It's just so down to earth. You mean Olivia Wilde? No. I don't mean Olivia Wilde. I really don't. Um, <laughs> she just has one movie. <laughs> yeah. And then she, but then she did that Clint Eastwood movie. Right. Richard Jewell, which she gets no credit for. Um, they're so down to earth, um, which is in, in like the best possible way that they can be. Not, I don't mean you mean like in a modest way. I just mean like they're of the earth. Um, that that and, and but Claire Denis movies are the same way. She's you know, she's heavy, more heavily situated in cities and now space. But like she's not, she's not, she's not asking very much. It feels like she's not ever asking very much from the viewer because she's just showing you life. Like yeah. this is just this is just somebody's life. Sometimes at an elevation. Sometimes at an elevation, if you're in space. <laughs> or, but even Vincent Gallo, it just this is what his life is like. He's just gotta eat that girl. He's gotta eat her. He didn't have any choice. It's his life. It's how, it's how it works. But yeah, no. Uh, of these two, definitely like. It was like I watched a back to back on back to death days while in the midst of reading Ant Kind, and like the the valley between these two films is is vast. Uh, the valley between these two films is vast. It might be a valley of a lie. <laughs> and for our third movie, folks, we're gonna do a little jump back in time. <laughs> we were just like, we'll be a good movie to pair with these two. <laughs> That's where I'll play the clip. Oh, no, we're movie just I haven't seen. You've never seen that movie? Nah. Oh, I went through a big Tommy Lee Jones period. But that's that like his first out. film after No Country, I believe. I think so, yeah. Oh. And it was like a big it was like a big thing. Like people thought he was gonna get the Oscar for that and what? everything. And I think people thought that he was going to um I like how our podcasts always end with us just going off on a topic from a joke I make. You shouldn't have great. mentioned Tommy Lee Jones, because I always want to talk oh, about no, Tommy I Lee Jones. Oh no, I think it's a, I think it's a great thing. Um Yeah, I think people thought it was gonna be a really big deal. He was nominated for an Oscar. He was What's nominated, but he didn't win. Obviously. He, he was nominated, win. right. Because, you know, the Paul Haggis factor. That's why I didn't see it. Because I really loved No Country for Old Men. I was like, oh, I should see this. But I was like, Paul Haggis. No thanks. And it's not because of Crash. It's because of fucking Million Dollar Baby. 
Yeah, you hate Billion Dollar Baby. I hate Billion Dollar Baby. Let's end this before we get off on another Billion Dollar Baby conversation. Yeah, I'm going to shit on the Oscars when we get back to the list soon. I mean, in a few weeks, we'll heavily shit on the Oscars. Yeah, so next week we're going to do two and a half hours to three hours of sadness. Yeah. Uh, and self-hatred and whatever other emotions seeing these two movies. What do you, what do you guys do if we feel a tremendous amount of joy? Not be shocked. I've already seen Come and See. I've seen most of Come and See. I'm going to watch it all. Um, I'm definitely not going to feel any joy from Come and See. My thing with The Painted Bird is it's not real. So when I first read it, I thought it was real. When I went through my Jersey Kaczynski phase. And then I subsequently learned that... Every 12-year-old boy, man. That's... I think... No, I was like 18. It was... It was one of the things like... It doesn't matter. Encyclopedia Brown, right? The Jersey Kaczynski. We'll we'll talk about it. Maybe it was 19. Um, It doesn't matter. Um, I thought it was real and I was horrified. And then I found out that it wasn't real. And I was like, oh. Okay. Well. Now I don't know how I feel. I think the interesting thing about this movie, and again, we haven't seen it, so we don't know, but the fact that they're... Comes out tomorrow for us right now. Is the fact that they... Um, he's taken a lot of historical liberties and geographical liberties with the with this movie. I don't think it's necessarily... Is it a World War II movie, or is it just like a war movie? I think it's still World War II. It's still World War II, yeah. but the fact that like the language is more specific the to... The Indra-Slavic language? Yeah, um... But no Slavic country could claim it. Exactly. So it kind of stands outside of of, of reality. Mm-hmm. I think is a is a positive for being able to look at it artistically instead of just viscerally and with you know a general sadness that you watch whatever's going to happen to this kid happen. I gotta get out of um, the, the the mindset that's going to be a von Trier film. I think it's gonna. I don't know. I mean, have you watched? Have you been watching the Bellatar stuff? As was prescribed to us from Dan. Dan? Dom. 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 Uh, not yet, not yet, but I'm going to. Um, so Bellatar is tough, but he's not a sadist. <laughs> and there's, there's, I'm assuming, if, there, if this movie is what it is, and I'm having read the book, uh, this movie could trans, could turn right into the sadism very quickly. But if I love this movie, I'm just going to get mad. You will. You know why? Remember, it lost the golden lion to Joker. Yeah. But I'm also going to love this movie. I'm, but I'm mad that... When, I, don't really I mean, know. I'm mad regardless of Joker. <laughs> we don't need to talk about the House of Jackpill again, because I feel like we always talk about House of Jackpill until... I'm mad that I love House of Jackpill. I think House of Jackpill is a great movie. I wish I had the testicles to put it on my list that, that year. Is like We the... watched it right after... <laughs> Hulu took it, took it, right as Palm Springs ended, it just started playing House That Jack Built. Really? I was like, yep, that follows. What did they cut out? So you said they, they had the R version. Did they just cut just out the Riley Keogh yeah, stuff? Some of the, the violence was... Is you wave to the kid? No, after? The, kid, the, kid is, the kids are like, the, the violence of the kids is a little more restrained, too. Now, but the do death. they show him taxidermying the kid still? And um, he waves to it? Because that haunts my dreams. You know, I don't remember because I was kind of like I was kind of like watching it, but also doing other stuff while watching it. And I fast like forwarded crying. Through, I fast forwarded through parts of it just because I wanted to like. I didn't watch it all the way through. I was really just trying to get to the end. The end. Yeah. No, that's what I would do too. But even in the end, you have to see a house made out of bodies, which is you know, 
I've seen that. I've seen a lot of films. Like <laughs> All right. If you want to make a house of bodies, right? That that's cool. That's uh, that's something you should uh, should should probably not do. But if you want to do it off mannequins, you could go find Elijah Wood and Maniac and help him out with that. That'd be fun. <laughs> Tom Savini do some makeup work for you. I'm sure that'd be great. Yeah. If you want to talk about Tom Savini, you can talk on, at Film Pivotal. Because I'll have some stuff to say about Tom Savini. That yeah, we fucker. Would, we Fuck would, you, Tom Savini. We wouldn't mind getting that email. Or I like that, Tom, actually that like Tom Savini. Uh, or you can send us a message at pivotalfilmpodcast.gmail.com or you can go to pivotalfilm.com where we'll have links to all of our episodes and how to subscribe and to our Twitter if you're just weird about Twitter. And, and the seltzer that I drank. And the seltzer. We're just, oh, we're going to actually, we're not going to do beers anymore, guys. We're just going to do all seltzers, spiked seltzers from now oh, until no, the end just, of the Just thing. regular non just regular seltzers. Oh, okay. So, you know, that's we've turned a new leaf, people. We're going to like the painted bird a lot in like a in like a Palm Springsy kind of way. Yeah. And uh, we're, we're going to call it whimsical. Yeah, it'll be a whimsical movie. I think yeah. they mean it to be. It's kind of fantastical. Yeah, it's black and white. Yeah, of course. Inter-Slavic language. We just talked about this. It'll be a real Norman Juster experience. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but it's I not funny. Phantom Tollbooth, I don't know. Oh, yeah. Phantom Tollbooth. I haven't read that in a long time. My kids tried to read it, and they were just not having it. Oh, because it's boring. Yeah. Well, it's, my kids tried to read John Belair's stuff, too, like in anticipation of House of the Clock on its Walls. They're just like, this sucks. I'm not doing this. Just show us the movie. And they were happy. It's and, a movie I watched recently, and I don't know why I did it. Cirque the Freak. Why did you do that? I don't know. I've never seen, uh, wait, wait, what... what What's John C. Riley and oh yeah 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 William Defoe. I've never seen that, but bad. yeah, it's terrible because I I figured it's gonna be terrible. I had a gut feeling it didn't get like savaged in the reviews, but I just had a gut feeling I was gonna hate it. Mm-hmm. And like of course I fast forwarded through parts. There's a lot of movies I watched by that just like, like mm, it's bad. Um, you know, honestly, I fast forwarded a little bit through First Cow when they're about to get caught because I was so nervous for them, and then I rewound it <gasps> when I saw what happened. I also fast-forwarded through that because I was really nervous about them getting caught. Did you really? I did. I was, like, so upset. I was like, no, please, not these guys. And I'm like, oh. So when I I saw that, it didn't turn out great. But, like, that they didnn't, like, catch them. I rewound it and watched it One thing I'll mention before we we close out the podcast, the part I loved, really loved, is when they go to see the cow and the cow turns to Cookie. Oh, and it's just, like, nuzzling its hand. Yeah, yeah, no, that part's great. Great movie. It is a great movie. That's right there at number two for me right now, I think. Probably for me, too, which is a bummer for your movie. For your number one. I don't care. My number, my Actually, number one has got like enough <laughs> accolades from me that I think it is propelled to like number like one on your list accidentally, too. <laughs> it, well, for a time, it was just the best movie I had seen this year. I don't remember your, what your current number one is. The Five Bloods. Oh, okay. It's still just fucking amazing and i think everyone is weirdly wrong and i don't get it but i don't i just don't people liked it though they like it but they don't fucking love the shit out of it and i just don't understand why everyone's not more obsessed with it i think it just you're talking to the person who just didn't actually like it that much i know but you know what you know what else is confusing me is that armand white has not written a review of it yet (laughs) he's just which i'm guessing he liked it well because if he hated it he would have written like a he would have buried it listen Putting drones inside of bugs takes a lot of time and effort. Oh, man. That... All right. Well, let's... Everyone, thank you for listening. Watch uh, movies, drink beers. Uh, we'll talk to you uh, um, a week from 
a week ago. Yeah? How does this work? How do you do a past outro? Yeah. We'll we talk to you seven days ago. Yeah, we'll talk to you seven days ago.